0: Welcome to episode 59 of Insects for Fun, the entomology podcast hosted by me, your not so local entomologist. And today, we have a new listener request from a listener named Joseph out in Hungary. So, without further ado, let's dig into it. Antlions are a group of insects in the order Neuroptera, which are net winged insects like lace wings and mantid flies. And we will definitely be getting to those ones at another time. But today, is all about the antlion. Which are a group of really interesting insects in the family Myrmeliontidae, of which there are around 2,000. The name antlion appears to have come from the classical era which started in the 8th century before common era. As for why they got this name, the most widely believed reason is simply that they prey upon ants like a lion. At least during their larval stage. The insects can be found throughout the world prefer living in warmer climate areas. Especially dry ones, like dunes, sandy pine soil barrens like the beach towns in Cape Cod, barren parking lots, basically anywhere that's got drier sandy soil. Now this is not to say they can't tolerate rain. Because they can. It's just that a very rainy area doesn't exactly pair well with the strategies many of these guys use. And if they are in a rainy place, Then they choose to make their tunnels underneath cover, like fallen debris, trees, or man-made structures. Ant lions, like all lacewings, go through complete metamorphosis. And the larvae are predatory, unlike the adults, feeding on ants, as we mentioned earlier, as well as other small insects. But unlike a lion, they don't chase down their prey. They instead wait for their food to come to them, and then take advantage of the moment most actually build a funnel like sand trap, and lay in wait at the very bottom. You know that giant sand monster in Star Wars, the one that Jabba the Hutt would throw prisoners into for fun? I think it's name is Sarlacc. Well that crazy thing is modeled after the larva of an antlion. Or maybe you're a Star Trek fan, in that case, think of Seti Eel, which apparently made it's debut in Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. The larvae burrow into the ground butt first, and use their arms to fling sand and debris up and out as they form a funnel. Once the trap is made, they sit and wait for ants and other insects to walk, slip, or fall into their trap. They can tell something is there by feeling the vibrations in the sand using sensory hairs on their body, which I talked about in a recent episode. These sensory hairs are pretty good, and can detect movement of nearby insects that haven't even entered the funnel trap. Once something has entered it though, the antlion larvae begin flicking sand at the target to create a small landslide. And they are really precise about it. They also know exactly how much sand to flick to push their prey to the bottom. If you see videos of these online, they absolutely look like sand dune monsters from a sci-fi film. But some species don't go this far in trap creation, and prefer to stay in pre-made holes of trees or rocks, waiting for something to walk by. Either way, these insects are opportunistic feeders, and don't go chasing down their food. To be honest, I don't think they could even if they tried, based on how crazy their bodies are. Of course, waiting for your food to come walking by isn't exactly reliable, and there may be times when little to nothing comes at all. And it's for these reasons that the antlions have very slow metabolisms. They can actually go months without food, which believe it or not, prolongs their lifespan. That being said, if a location really isn't providing, then the insects will move to a new place. Joseph mentions seeing this happen at the local playground he takes his son to. What's really interesting and funny, is that the larvae move backwards. They could go forward if they wanted, but it's much easier for them to move backwards because of how their body is built. In parts of the US, people actually call them doodle bugs, because the paths they make in soft soil look like little doodles or drawings made by someone dragging their finger around. Antlions spend the most time as a larva, and only pupate once they've reached maximum size. This will of course depend on the species, but many antlion larvae max out at around half an inch, or 1.3 centimeters. They stay in this pupa for a month's time before emerging as an adult. But the adults don't live very long at all. It's for these reasons that their lives are actually extended when little food is present. But the goal of an antlion is not a long life. The adults usually last less than a month, with 45 days being the very longest. They do have mouths though. In fact, adult antlions are another pollinator, feeding on the nectar from various flowers at night, keeping our world green while the butterflies and bees are sleeping. The adults resemble a damselfly, but they have long clubbed antennae and their wings have more of a patchwork pattern, which is where the order gets the name, lace wings. You probably wouldn't encounter one though, unless you have lights outside your place at night, or you decide to raise one from its larval stage. But you know who has encountered them? Our friend Joseph, who has managed to also raise these in captivity. He actually has a lot of experience with rearing antlions, as well as studying them as a fellow insect enthusiast. Now fortunately for us, he has shared a lot of his knowledge with me to give to you. So Joseph used to collect antlions by first finding their trails and funnels. He mentioned that it's pretty easy to find them in areas that are covered by shade, like under slides or other structures on playgrounds, for example. Now to get them out of the sand, take some careful work on the part of us. Because simply digging them out with your hand is not only difficult, but it could also damage them. Joseph recommends using a filter, or a small thin twig to expose them. I've also read online that you can use a straw to gently blow air into the funnel, which can show you exactly where they are. Afterwards, you simply place them in a jar filled with sand. These insects are not picky about what you place them in, so long as it's roomy enough. Joseph used 700 milliliter jars, and the cool thing is, these larvae will simply go about making a new funnel trap once moved. They really aren't bothered by glass walls, because honestly, they're not trying to move far anyway. As for food, he told me that these insects will in fact eat anything they possibly can. But bulkier prey items, like flies, are more packed with nutrients, and make them grow faster. You can tell the larvae have created a pupa when the sand funnel loses its clean and tidy appearance. The pupae are buried within their sandy pits, and are protected by a cocoon made from silk and sand mixed together. If you have one in a container at this point, you will need to make sure it has something to crawl on, and enough space to spread its wings. Joseph mentions that the cocoons are almost perfect spheres, and are really fun to look at. He actually used a separate container specifically for these and mentioned that if you raise more than one antlion in a jar, it is very important to move the pupa out if the other is still a larva, because the larva will try to eat it. Now, speaking of eating, the mouths of antlions aren't much of a mouth at all. They're basically slits that can't open and close the way we eat food. So the insects must first make their prey edible. To do this, the antlions inject a digestive enzyme through their large pincers, and then drink the fluids. Yum. When they finish, their food gets tossed out of the pit, and this can result in a pile of corpses. Apparently it's not uncommon for antlions to make dens near each other, and the piles of corpses from one pit might actually help a nearby antlion that hasn't gotten so lucky, because studies show that the incoming ants usually don't fall into the traps with corpses. And it's not because they aren't interested. It's actually quite the opposite. Ants will come to investigate, but then wander away from the crime scene as opposed to haphazardly walking right into a den. It's kinda cool to think that in the end, the life cycles of lions could be determined by their neighbors. Now, when it comes to predators, there are different ones depending on the life stage. Adult antlions will get eaten by birds and bats, while the larvae tend to be susceptible to parasitoids. And based on findings from researchers, it would appear that 3rd instar antlions are the most at risk. It totally makes sense too, because the larger the host, the better. Joseph also mentioned that from wild collected antlions, the rate of parasitization was pretty high. Basically it comes down to how young the antlion larva is when you find it. The younger, the better, if you want the best chance of avoiding an unwanted wasp. Thanks for listening to this episode of Insects for Fun. As always, if you're enjoying the podcast, it is incredibly helpful to rate it and leave a review. If you'd like to further support the show, get bonus episodes, and other side content, be sure to check out the show on Patreon.com forward slash Insects for Fun. Links to the Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon are in the episode notes. And if you'd like to send me a listener submission, let me know on any of the socials or at insectsfordummies at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.